turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome into another Saturday on Woods and Water, South Carolina. I hope you are uh, making all those plans to get out and go hiking and and biking and fishing and and hunting. Hey, hunting season is here. Um, Dove season opened last Saturday. Wasn't a great season for me, I'll admit it. But hey, Taylor, with her first shot on a dove field, got her first dove. So that made sitting out at 95 degrees for four hours worth it course she proceeded to miss a bunch after that that's okay that's dove hunting but uh welcome in and and with hunting season i always do this and we're just going to get straight to it safety in the woods when you're deer hunting is paramount deer hunting anytime you're elevated and it's always good when i can call up and talk to my good friend jerry widener from hunter safety systems jerry how are you today i'm doing good i truly am roger always good to talk to you yes sir it's fun reconnecting we get to we actually get to talk once a year and then we see each other at Archery Trade Association. So we're getting to see each other and talk to each other a little more every year. Yeah, I know. And I, I love it, uh, building on that relationship. And it's been an awfully good one, too. It, Appreciate the ride. Yes, sir, from my end, too. Um, safety. We do this every year when when deer season comes around. And there was just a story in the news the other day, Oregon hunter in critical condition after hanging upside down for from a tree stand for two days. That's what these segments are all about. We don't want you hanging upside down from a tree stand because we want you to wear a safety harness and we want you to stay attached to the tree from the moment you step off the ground up to your stand, back down again. That's exactly it. And you know it's not that difficult. No. And the products we have today and the, and the methods we have and the hunter-friendly features that are on there, there's really not many excuses left today. No, there's not. And it... And as we often say, if you don't want wear one, it's a it's an issue of selfishness. Yeah, absolutely, it is because we owe it to those that are expecting us to come home safe. Yep. And and safety and and a and a truly the definition of a good hunt is maybe seeing something, maybe harvesting a deer, but it's coming home every night. Oh, certainly it is. You know, harvesting the deer is is icing on the cake but being out in nature and enjoying what our passion of life is to be able to experience nature and you know what i love a deer hunt i love any hunt that i'm out if i see a a, a bird chirping or a squirrel running <laughs> by me you know what that's that's what i wait that's what i i just yearn to get out of the office to go do and if i see a deer and able to harvest a deer that's just that's just pudding uh, it, there have been several times over the last few years I've been sitting there with my camera shooting a picture of a bird or a squirrel or whatever, and there have been deer around, and it's like, oh, wait, they're deer. This is, this is what you came for. There's a deer out there. Put the camera down. <laughs> but you're enjoying it. You're loving oh. it. That, like like most of us, that's the passion of our life. So we just Absolutely. love getting out in it. Absolutely. And if you're out there listening, you're a deer hunter, and you don't enjoy those type things, I mean, you, you're, your whole hunt is dependent on whether you get something or not step back a little bit 
and then just enjoy being out there. And I promise you, it, those deer hunts, every one of them will be special. I agree. Yep, they're all special for me, and it doesn't start with the kill. It just starts with being able to leave the office and be able to enjoy that outdoors. That's exactly right. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, Hunter Safety Systems, great company, great stuff. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about some harnesses you've got out there, the women's harness, the upgraded harness. But one really cool thing that you all have up on your website right now, and they're anywhere from about eight minutes to a minute and a half, so, I mean, if you watched all six of them, you might have 30 minutes in it. Uh, or how to adjust, or, or a video series, how to adjust your safety, hunter safety systems harness, how to hang a hunter safety system lifeline, uh, how to use the hunter safety system suspension relief strap. Just a great set of little videos you guys have up there. You know, they, they really are, and we're, we're proud of them. We, we get phone calls, emails, letters, taps on the shoulder all the time. And people want to know, how exactly do I do this? Now, you know, I just bought a lifeline. How exactly do I hang that on a tree? I've never used a lineman's climbing belt. Now, explain that to me, how I use it. So we put together these videos that are very descriptive, very hunter-friendly to sit there and watch, and it'll give you an idea if you're just a little foggy or a little unclear as to how to do something, click on that. And it's very educational, and it could be the difference of you coming home safe. Yeah. Uh, one thing that comes out in some of these, your your harnesses, harnesses have no dangling straps. You know, that was one of the very first features we came up with when we, when we started Hunter Safety System because we as hunters recognized what is wrong with what's out there today. And one of them was dangling straps. Not only are they cumbersome and getting in my way, but they can be a dangling hazard. You can trip on these things. So when we first started designing our first hunter safety system harness, that was our number one key. How do we take away any dangling straps? And we were able to do that with our patented version of being able to use quick snap buckles. And those buckles and the design of them absorb any slack, no matter if you make it tighter or more loose. It'll absorb whatever slack you have and makes it very clean and and hunter-friendly to use you know you go to another one they talk about the cowbell isn't that cool <laughs> we you know when we first came out with that we said you know what that that's a different name but yeah. uh, everybody tends to get it they understand what it's about sure it covers that carabiner that can be noisy while you're going up and down a tree stand it simply covers it up Make sure that you don't have any metallic noise while you're either ascending, descending, or while you're in the stand. And what what some people don't understand is how much time we spent in developing that. <laughs> you know, it's it's a cowbell cover. It just it looks like a rubber sheet that goes over. Sure. But but really, it's not rubber. It's a synthetic product, and we made it that way because rubber will dry, rot, and crack okay. out of the elements. And this won't. It'll stay pliable. It stays soft. It stays quiet. So it really does do a great job and just enhances what's already a great product, and that's the lifeline. And I have been there, so I, I have seen the product of some of your research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You, you've been to our, our facilities, that's and uh, you, you know what we do and, and why we do it. Saving yep. lives is what we do. And that's, that's our focus and making sure that we can make the – not only the safest products, but the most hunter-friendly products. One of the most important ones on this video series, and it's something you and I have talked about before, yes, you're wearing your harness, yes, you're doing everything right, and your stand breaks and ends up at the bottom of the tree, or you fall to the side, can't get back. 
there's a little something that's included with every hunter safety system harness, and that's the suspension relief strap. And in the video, he's actually hanging off the side of the tree, and he's demonstrating it. It's something you ought to practice in your own backyard. That's such a key point you just made, Roger. Don't wait till you're in that situation and doing it for the first time. Go in your backyard. You know, connect yourself to the tree. Have somebody there to assist you, if, if at all possible. And connect these things. Hook up that suspension relief strap. Find out where those pressure points are before you're so very aware of those pressure points while hanging <laughs> from a tree. You know, and hook that up and find out the value of that suspension relief strap because it will need to be adjusted to your particular height. Okay. So why not do that ahead of time so when you're under that situation, you're not taking valuable time to have to adjust the length of it. Have it already done. Have it set. So when it happens, you know exactly what to do and how simple it can be. And I love in the video when he says, now that you're, now that you're taking your relief off the, the harness itself and you're standing on that safety, now you pick up your phone and call whoever you need to call to come help you. First things first. First things make first. Make sure you relieve that pressure point. Make sure you get proper blood flow and then get some help. You know, I mentioned that uh, the Oregon hunter or whatever. In the story, it actually says he maintained his consciousness all the way until Hunter, uh, until the rescue party got there, and when they relieved the tension and let the blood flow, that's when he actually lost consciousness. Yeah, you know, that's an amazing story. I mean, for somebody wow. to hang there for two, two days. days. I mean, can you imagine hanging there for two hours? No, I cannot. Just, you just can't can't fathom such a thing. This, no. this poor man hung there for two days. So, you know, that man, when he went out that morning, the last thing on his mind was, the miseries he was about to experience. Yep. But today, things are so easy and so simple. You know, TSSA has a thing they call the ABCs of tree stand hunting. And, and it's three little, three little things for you to be able to be aware of. A, B, and C. A standing for always remove and inspect all your equipment. Okay. B stands for buckle your harness securely. And C stands for connect before your feet leave the ground. If we'll do those three things, each time we go out, we'll always come back. And yep. we'll always come back safe. You, you, uh, We were talking earlier before we came on the air, and you were telling us about some TSSA news you've got to share with us. You know, I'm really excited about it. Um, for years, all of our news has been somewhat dismal and, and bleak. It's people falling. It's people dying. Well, we, re we actually got good news now. And, uh, yeah, I do want to share some of that. Um, first of all, let me, let me start off with September is Tree Stand Safety Awareness Month. Yes. And this is the month that most hunters head back to the woods to hang stands in preparation for the upcoming hunting season. I know it's different from state to state, but this is the time when most hunters are doing it. Okay. Tree Stand Safety Awareness Foundation, TSSA's mission, is to significantly reduce tree stand accidents through promotion, education, and best practices and our goal is to reduce the estimated number of tree stand accidents by 50% by the year 2023. That's a big call. But I want to share this news right now. TSSA is excited to share that we're seeing a positive change in the estimated number of falls that are occurring on a national level. Okay. Based on the latest data available, which is 2017, there's been a 28% decrease in the number of estimated falls requiring an emergency department visit. Wow. That's huge. That is that's, huge. That's so significant. And, you know, you, you look at that and you say, why? What, what's the big difference? 
I'm going to tell you what I think is the big difference, and a lot of it's education and awareness, and it's it's organizations. It, it's woods and water radio. <laughs> it, it, Roger, it is. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke here. Thank you. It, it's the message that you send to the people. And, you know, you choose to take the time to say, my listeners need to understand about safety, not sure. just entertainment, but safety. Let's come home safe. It's also companies like TMA, Tree State Manufacturers Association, the NBEF, National Bowhunter Education Foundation, WTU, Whitetails Unlimited, IHEA, the International Hunter Education Association, state DNR offices, TSSA, and even our partners like Realtree, Hunter Safety Systems, Summit Tree Stands, HunterEd.com, American Hunting Lease Association, Soul Scraper, and many others that have joined the force to be able to send a voice and a message of tree stand safety. So it's making a difference, and it's so nice to be able to share some good news. It is. Yeah, good news is always welcome, especially when, it's something, when, it's, when, you're, when you're dealing with a life-threatening situation. Absolutely. You know, talking of life-threatening, there's more good news involved in this, and okay. I'll share this. During the years 2000 to 2013, we had, on average, 23 deaths per year. That was just the national average. Well, in 2014, Hunter Safety System began a campaign about the values of the lifeline. And I want to share some results, because okay. I believe that campaign had a, had a direct result in reducing some of these numbers. 2014, it went from 23 to 17 deaths. In 2015, it went down to 12 deaths. 2016 reported 8 deaths. Now, 2017, we had a little bit of a spike. It went up to 11 deaths. Okay. But even with 11, that's more than a 50% decrease over that period of the years 2000 to 2013. So these are wonderful numbers. They are, and uh, and it, like we always have always said, it's simple to prevent. You yep. know, yeah, you're going in, you're going in, and accidents will happen. That that's why we have, you know, all the search and rescue things. That's why you call and let somebody know where you're going because accidents do happen. But sure. you got a harness, a lifeline, and a suspension strap. Between those three things, yeah, you may fall out of a stand. Your stand may break because that's something you can't control. But you're prepared, and now you're not in an emergency, life-threatening situation. You're on your suspension strap. You're safely attached to the tree, and you call, and somebody comes and gets you. You know, the trick is not hitting the ground. <laughs> We're not going to stop accidents. We're not going to stop falls. They're going to happen. I mean, like you said, limbs are going to snap. Uh, buckles are going to Things are going to happen. Right. But the trick is don't hit the ground. And I think that's where the lifeline is the key element because with the lifeline, you attach to it at ground level, and you never disconnect until your feet are absolutely back firm on ground level again. Yep. So it. if you fall anywhere during that time, you know you're not going to hit the ground. Get that's back it. in the stand, continue your hunt. There you go. That, that's what you'd like to do. You fall off the side. You Hey, you're attached to the tree. You climb back in. You collect yourself, and you continue hunting. That's right. <laughs> Safety first. Safety first. All right. Got a few minutes left. New harnesses. Yep. Beautiful. Thanks for asking. Because yes, sir. I'm really excited about our new Pro Series harness. We're getting lots of positive feedback. People seem to love this thing. Now, why? What makes this so much different? Well, years ago, we had the Pro Series harness, okay. and it was our number one seller. 
And we, in our wisdom, decided to discontinue that one and let's make another one. Okay. Well, it never died. We never, ever got people coming back saying, when are you bringing back the Pro Series? Well, it's back. Okay. But, you know, so like I mentioned to you uh, one time <laughs> earlier, I said, it's not your granddaddy's uh, Pro Series harness anymore. This is so unique in the fact that it's updated with new technology. Okay. Number one, it's updated with the new Alema Shield scent control technology. It, it's heat fused into the fabric and it's good for the life of the harness. That harness will never ever have organic odor to it, human odor, never. All right. No matter what you do or, or how many times you use it, human odor will never ever be on that harness. And you can't wash it out and you can't wear it out. It'll be there for as long as you have it. The other key element that's making this particular unit so exciting is it actually has a charging USB port built right into the harness itself. Who's not in a tree stand today on their <laughs> on their cell phone? Uh, guilty. You know, if you, if you say you're not doing it, you're lying. You're lying. Everybody's on the cell phone. And that cell phone is a safety feature. You don't want those batteries to run out. And if you're entertaining yourself, you probably don't want that to run out either. Sure. But it's so nice to be able to, while in your stand, you happen to notice, ooh, my battery's running low, just... Plug it in. Plug it, it in. Don't right into the harness and, and charge it back up. So, like I said, it's not your granddaddy's harness any longer. It's new. It's updated. It's the new Century harness, and it, it's coming in the new patterns, the new edge pattern with uh, uh, Realtree and also the bottomland pattern with Mossy Oak. So uh, hunters are very excited about it. I'm excited about it, and it's nice to bring something totally unique and new. Nice. And and not to leave the ladies out, because I have a, a young lady who's coming up behind me who is uh, – all into deer hunting, and and we don't want to leave them out. And you've got some th- something for the ladies this year. Yeah, we really do. It's it's called our new Lady Hybrid, and it also will feature the Element Shield Sync Control technology, and also has the USB port built into it as well, as, as well as eight pockets, bino straps, a hidden cell phone pocket, lightweight mesh material. It's it's new. It, it's it's made, built, designed for ladies, and uh, we we think well, we know because we got a lot of feedback on it. Ladies are really loving it. They can get it also in the new bottomland pattern with mossy oak or the new real tree pattern edge. And when I talk about having seen your your research and all, and that's what we're talking about because the day I was in there, I don't know, you had what five or six ladies harnesses laid out with different little piping patterns and all that. Yep. And you were going through all the research from all the ladies you'd sent these out to, to to rate them, tell them what you'd fix. And you're like, yeah, we're pretty much going to have to go back to square one because nobody likes what we did. You know what? It was so funny. <laughs> we were so proud of what we did and what we designed, and we presented them to the ladies of the of the hunting industry. You know them all. Yes. And when we were done, we're waiting for the pat on the back and the thank you, and boy, thank you for designing for us. <laughs> And they all stood there with this blank look in their face, some of them shaking their head sideways, and we realized we blew it, didn't we? Yeah. And they, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> so we scrapped them all, threw yep. them all out, started all over again. And thank God for them, because you know what? You ask a woman an opinion, she'll tell you. She'll tell you. And they told us, and, uh, you know, I have to admit, they were right, we were wrong, so we we redesigned it, completely redesigned it. And they're excited about it. They said, yes, now you finally got it right. So, ladies, it's for you, and we're happy to present it to you, the new Lady Hybrid. Very nice. You make a lot of other little things, uh, some 
some tree hangers, some bow and gear hoists, uh, bow holders. You can get extra cowbell covers if you want them, uh, carabiners, a lot of stuff. If people, if you've never been to the website, it's huntersafetysystem.com. Go, I encourage you, go on there, look at some of the harnesses. Even if you have one of your own already, look at how the video series on how to operate, how to attach, how to adjust. And, uh, and we're going to have, a, I'm getting in touch with, uh, and I can't remember his name, the uh, gentleman who was in the your booth at ATA, and we're going to do a segment on Lemma Shield because that, as far as scent control, that is very important. I think a Lemma Shield has got a really good product. Oh, that, a Lemma Shield is so unique and so different from anything else on the market that it it's it stands head and above. Now, you know, we all want to say that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it truly is totally unique in the way that it works from any other aspect. It It physically kills the uh, molecule that causes the odor uncontact, uncontact. So, un, you know, when you take the hand sanitizers today and you, you, you put that on your hands, it does exactly what it says it's going to do. It, it kills bacteria. 99.9% it kills it right then. The problem is you turn around and shake hands with somebody. Boom. And it's back. <laughs> it's back. It's back. With the Alina Shield, we have a body core for you. You put that on your body, and that will last 48 hours. 48 hours on there. So you shake hands, you put your hands on a doorknob or a handrail or your car seat or steering wheel. It kills that bacteria on contact for 48 hours. So it's totally different, totally unique, works in a complete different uh, system, and it's economically um, uh, uh, safe as well. So it, it, it's good for the environment. And it doesn't harm environment in any way. It's biodegradable, and it's just it's just unique. We're really excited about it. Yeah, great product, Jerry. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be on Woods and Water South Carolina again. And uh, I hope your health gets better. I know you had a little problem with a tick bite and a spider bite. You're in our thoughts and prayers, and we'll talk to you soon. Roger, thank you so much. Good to talk to you and your audience, and appreciate what you do, brother. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. safety is a big deal when you're up in a tree like jerry said hitting the ground is the part you want to avoid so get you a safety harness get you a lifeline stay attached from the moment you leave the ground up in your stand back down again because really the definition of a good hunt is when you come home at night and i certainly want to come home every night i'm out in the woods a lot of information in that one uh in a a quick little segment here because we got to go into the bottom of the hour break Coming up, we're going to talk to the Orion Society about snakes. You're going to have a lot of outdoor activity. You're going to run into snakes. There's certain things to do, certain things not to do. And uh, just a general good session on snakes coming up and maybe some other amphibs, reptiles. So hang on through the break with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. I've got a bite. Woods and Water, South Carolina. It's uh, it's the time of the year everybody's, you know, it's been a hot summer. Everybody's been outdoors, just wanting to go to the beach or or the pool. And now, you know, fall is getting here, and it's soon going to be time to hit the hiking trail. Deer season's almost here. And inevitably, this time of the year, you're going to have some run-ins with some of the little creatures out in nature. And 
you know, some of them are going to be no Mr. No Legs. And I thought it would be a good idea to uh, have a segment on snakes, and we're going to talk about some of the amphibs too. But uh, the place you go to when you want to talk about snakes is the Orient Society right next door in Georgia. And um, I have Houston Channer on the radio on the line with me. And Houston, welcome to Woods of South Carolina. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Take just a moment and uh, introduce yourselves to us and uh, tell us what you do down at the Orient Society. Sure. So I actually uh, grew up in South Georgia as the son of two biology professors. <laughs> um, I've been outside basically my whole life. I've always loved uh, animals and I've been catching animals as long as I can remember. Uh, and so I ultimately decided that's what I wanted to do uh, for a job. And so I went off to school, uh, got a master's degree in fish and wildlife conservation, uh, never thought I'd end up back in South Georgia, but it's uh, it's funny how life works sometimes, and so here I am. It is. Um, so, yeah, I'm back uh, back in South Georgia. I'm the director of the Longleaf Savannas Initiative for the Orient Society. All right. Um, and so the Orient Society is a nonprofit, and we specialize in uh, conservation and management of rare and imperiled amphibians and reptiles. Um, we got our start working specifically with Eastern Indigo snakes, which is the biggest snake in the United States, uh, native to just Georgia and Florida, maybe historically just in the South Carolina, okay. um, but not now, unfortunately. Uh, but we do, so we do a lot of research. We do land management. We burn the woods, uh, plant trees, that kind of stuff. And then we also do things like this where we uh, interact with the public um, to about snakes and other amphibians and reptiles uh, to promote education uh, and outreach for the, this group that often has a uh, less than stellar <laughs> reputation among a lot of people. You know, you mentioned an indigo snake. That is one cool snake. Yeah, they're amazing. Like I said, they're the longest snake in the U.S. Uh, they're very active predators. A lot of people like them because they eat rattlesnakes. Yeah. Um, they're very cool to work with. Yeah, I, uh, you, you all ha always have a place down at uh, Seawee. And I love to, yep. go into, love to go into that tent and, and handle the indigo snake and kind of glance sideways at the rattlesnakes and copperheads and all. <laughs> 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 Don't want to make eye contact with that bunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we keep a bunch of animals uh, actually for that reason, so that people can get to see them up yeah. close. Yeah, but you mentioned you know your longleaf savanna initiative. You actually got a few initiatives around the Great Northern Forest, the longleaf savannas, Appalachian Highlands. Uh, what do y'all do in those initiatives? So the initiatives are sort of how we organize our programs. Um, usually, it's around a focal landscape. Uh, so, for example, the longleaf savannas is focused around longleaf pine forests, uh, which were the dominant ecosystem in the southeast historically. Okay. And so all of our work is tied to that ecosystem and the species that depend on that. Um, so the other ones, the one in the Appalachians, uh, works on uh, forests in the mountains and the animals there. And then in the Great Northern Forest, which is our new one, uh, we work primarily right now with wood turtles, but also looking to expand into other things. Okay. Um, and that's up near Vermont. Wow. That's that's probably a pretty cool place to be right now. 
kind of cool up there, I bet. Right now it is. I bet <laughs> in a few months it won't be. Yeah. And then during bug season, it's intolerable again. So, yeah, yeah. we're never satisfied with where we are, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, every year this time, sometimes in the springtime, most of the times in the fall, people are starting to get out. They're walking the trails. You know, deer hunters are headed off to their deer stands. Uh, and you inevitably have the, the, the confrontation. You would, you would no, don't necessarily refer to it as a confrontation. You just, you have the instance where you meet up with the other one, you know? And I, I've had them myself, uh, copperheads walk into a tree stand or never been in touch with a rattlesnake. Thank goodness. Um, what, where do we get this innate fear of snakes from? So for most people, um, they learn it from a young age, from adults in their lives. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that a lot of people don't have a good, uh, a good thought process around snakes. And that often translates, uh, to kids when they're young. Okay. So keep their only, the only experience a lot of people have ever had with a snake, uh, is coming from a perspective of fear. Sure. Or, some some negative emotion, um, and then that's true from adults, from the media. There's very few positive sources, uh, and actually scientific based sources uh, of snake information out there. Uh, so that's where a lot of it comes from. Uh, I mean, venomous snakes do kill a handful of people in this country every year, although it's less than ten. So there's a little bit of at least reason why people historically would have been fearful of venomous snakes um but a lot of it is overblown and uh honestly not very uh factual with how snakes actually are uh in their environment yeah i think you hit the nail on the head that with that one from from the from the age standpoint most kids learn about snakes from their parents oh there's a snake and it's generational it's just passed from one generation to the other without any and without any real education, that's just the thought process that gets, process that gets passed to the next generation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, snakes are beneficial, I'm here to tell you. I, I, and I'm sure you're going to tell us a little bit more. But what here in the, here in the Carolinas, when people are hitting the trails this fall, uh, what, do you, what would you expect to run into if you're going to run across a snake? So that's actually a little bit of a tough question to answer um, <laughs> because here in the southeast we have really high uh, snake diversity overall. There's okay. a lot of species of snakes um, in this area, and a lot of these snakes are actually fairly common. Okay. Um, so to start with, around a lot of people will often find small snakes around their homes. Um, there's a handful of species, the brown snake, the ringneck snake that like to live, uh, just under the dirt and flower beds and things like that. And we get a lot of people asking us about small little snakes that they find around their house. Okay. Um, what those are. And those are almost always, uh, non-venomous and okay. harmless. Okay. And they're actually beneficial because they eat slugs and other things that people don't like in their gardens. Okay. See, there's a benefit um, right there, people. All, all already to you gardeners out there, the snakes eat the slugs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so, if you go up a little bit in size, there are things like rat snakes and black racers that are very common, do very well, um, both out in the woods and in sort of urban uh, disturbed environments. 
those are often uh, some of the most common species that people interact with. Okay. And then if you get down and you find yourself near some water, there's uh, three species of water snakes uh, that you can find in South Carolina. And so those are often really near any body of water, uh, lakes, streams, anything like that. You'll often find water snakes uh, there. And those are uh, primarily fish eaters okay. and also non-venomous. Okay. And then, and then you've got the class of venomous snakes. I mean, there's what? Three, maybe four kinds in South Carolina? About so there's actually there's six species six? in South okay. Carolina. Um, one of those is the coral snake, which they're incredibly difficult to find right. um, and not often encountered by people. Uh, there's three species of rattlesnakes, the pygmy rattlesnake, uh, timber rattlesnake, and eastern diamondback. All right. um, those are all around. You could certainly uh, find those. But the, probably the species you're most likely to encounter would be copperheads um, and cottonmouths. Okay. Yeah. Copperheads especially do very well in sort of urbanish, uh, suburban environments around people's homes sometimes. Um, we get a lot of pictures of copperheads. For example, they live in the suburbs in Atlanta. Okay. Um, that's probably the one species of venomous snake you're most likely to see would be a copperhead. Okay. All right. And you've already told us about some of the benefits of the, the ones that live in your garden eating slugs. Some of the other benefits to your, your black rat snakes and, and even your venomous snakes, what roles do they play in our ecosystem environment? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, to start off with, all these snakes are native. They all are supposed to be here. They all serve some uh, purpose or function in the ecosystems, like you mentioned. So they're all good to have around. The things that people like, um, they eat a lot of rodents. So okay. if you don't like mice or rats around your sheds or buildings or even out in the woods, um, snakes eat a ton of rodents. And the more snakes there are, the more rodents get eaten. Okay. That's a good um, thing. And, yeah. Especially- and sort of along with that, uh, they actually reduce tick populations um, where there's a good density of snakes because they're eating so many ticks. Um, off of the mammals that they're eating. And honestly, when I'm in the field, even when working with venomous snakes, uh, tick-borne diseases are a far more pressing concern um, than snake bites. Absolutely. something that you're much more likely to encounter in the woods, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, in fact, we just had a a new tick, uh, our new tick-borne disease that has come up that affects people that eat meat. Yep, I actually am terrified of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all of us with canine teeth should be terrified of that one. <laughs> yeah, but what a okay. So the, so you're you're controlling the rat populations in in a secondary manner. You control controlling tick populations. Keep going from there. And so uh, venomous snakes. A lot of people. Oh well, you don't need venomous snakes. Um, Actually, a lot of research gets done with snake venom, um, and there's some pretty interesting things relating to uh, cancer and other diseases that have come um, from research with venomous snakes. And so that's the thing that always always kind of gets people thinking that, well, venom may not be uh, helpful to me, but in a lab, well, they're actually doing cool things uh, with treating diseases from these venomous snakes. Interesting. Interesting. 
And when we talk about Venom mistakes, you're going to have the the mistaken identity syndrome that comes with, because everything in nature has a mimic, pretty much. And it, it same thing holds through, true through snakes to some extent. So, you know, the big ones are, are uh, water moccasins, brown water snakes. Uh, any others out there? Uh, yeah, a lot of people ask us about copperheads. Um, they think corn snakes are copperheads a lot of the times. Uh, some of those smaller snakes that live in your garden, a lot of people ask us if those are baby copperheads. Um, and I always tell people that really the best way to identify snakes in this part of the world is just to learn what the pattern looks like. Okay. Um, oh, people will come up to us at events and stuff and say, oh, you can tell by the shape of their head or uh, by their pupils or something like that. And those that type of thing works sometimes, but uh, not all the time. And so the best way is to learn your snakes um, in your area so you know what you're looking at. Um, and there's a lot of resources available and Facebook groups and books and all that kind of stuff that can can help you learn what snakes are in your area. Yeah, when people talk about getting close enough to see it, the eyes, probably a little too close to whatever it is. Yeah, at that point, yeah, you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to be that close to see what kind of, if it's got a cat eye or a round eye. That's just not something I want to get that close to. When people do run into snakes, whether it's they don't know exactly what it is or whether you've got a rattlesnake whose tail is going nuts on you, what do you need to do? Because remember, you're in, for the most part, we're talking about people who are running into it on the hiking trail or in the woods. What's the best option when you run into a snake like that? Well, the first thing to remember is that snakes are not out to get you. They are out living their life, looking for food, looking for mates, uh, doing whatever that they're uh, doing. And they have very little interest in interacting with you. Um, rattlesnakes and cottonmouths and things will certainly let you know that they're there, um, but they have no interest in interacting with you. They're not going to chase you. Um, they're not going to try to go out of their way to bite you. The best thing you can do um, if you encounter a snake is just simply back up. Um, if you're five to ten feet away from a snake, you're in no danger of anything bad happening. Okay. Um, most of the time, the snake will decide it's tired of sitting there and go on its way. Um, if you want, you can watch it. If you don't want, you can go around. Um, but the best thing you can do is to simply uh, leave them alone. And and in that, you got to remember that where you are in relationship to nature, if you're in the woods, you know, yeah, you might not like a cotton mouth or a copperhead around your house in the bushes or something or in the creek that runs behind your house. But when you're out there in the woods, hiking, hunting, doing whatever you want to do in the outdoors, that's where they live. we got to remember where our place is in this whole thing. And when you're in their neighborhood and all that, you're the visitor. That'd be yeah, about that's right. right. Yeah, that's no, that's right. And, I mean, they have to have somewhere to do their thing and to do the functions, and especially in protected lands like public uh, wildlife management areas and state parks and things like that. I mean, that really is the places where they're supposed to be. Yeah. 
And and there's a lot of ongoing research. Are they still doing a lot of Eastern Diamondback research down around Savannah River Ecology Lab and all down through there? There's yeah, there's various research projects going on with uh, Eastern Diamondbacks. I don't know about actually on SREL okay. uh, right now, but there's some going on on some of the islands in Georgia. Uh, but yeah, they're fairly uh, commonly worked with species. What uh, I assume you work with them all. Do you have a favorite you like to work with? Or you like to to uh, come in contact with from time to time? Um, as far as venomous snakes go, actually, cotton mouths are pretty much by far the easiest one to work with. Uh, they're much easier going than rattlesnakes, and easier to handle. And if you got to put them in a tube or do something with them, they're much easier. So they're usually a pleasure to work with, whereas sometimes rattlesnakes are actually kind of a pain because they get so worked up. Um, it's hard to beat uh, eastern indigo snakes, honestly, for any kind of herp work in the southeastern U.S. They are seeing a eight-foot snake, go, solid black snake crawling uh, by is pretty incredible. And very user-friendly. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, they don't bite. They, no. There, <laughs> I, I've been amazed. Some of the some of the young kids down at Seawee, I mean, the snake is twice as long as they are tall, and the snakes are all wrapped around them, and they're just having fun with it. Yeah, I mean, we pick up a lot of wild indigo snakes, and maybe one a year decides it wants to bite, and even then, it's not a very bad bite. So sure. they're 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 a, pr- a pleasure to work with. Well, I think we've covered snakes, and I think the best thing to do is realize our place in this and realize that they have a function, too. Uh, but, look, when you're out hiking, you're going to be crossing creeks. You're going to be seeing other sorts of amphibs and reptiles out there. What are some of the other things people might run into uh, anywhere in South Carolina? So similar to snakes, that's actually that's a hard <laughs> question. They're both the reptile. Yeah. Amphibian diversity is very high uh, in this part of the world. And it's actually part of uh, Southern natural heritage. And I always tell people, you're proud to be from the South. Well, you should be proud of all these animals that the South has. Um, but a couple of things. So South Carolina has seven uh, different species of tree frogs that you might hear calling on a rainy summer night, and okay. that's actually more than Georgia has, which is cool. Okay. Um, if you get into the western part of the state, up in the mountains, you'll start to pick up a lot of different salamanders, uh, and the Appalachians are actually a hot spot for salamander diversity, uh, not just in this country, but globally. Wow. So there's a lot of salamanders that live nowhere else in the world. Um, other than in the Appalachian Mountains. And so that's pretty unique and something that a lot of places don't have. It, you know, tree frogs, of course, you're going to have a tough time finding those because they're really small and they hook, flatten up against a tree and you can hear them, but you can't pinpoint them a lot of times. Salamanders, pretty much they hang out. I mean, would you find them underneath rocks or where would you find them in a creek if you were actually looking for them? Yeah, if you were looking for them, you would find them under rocks. Um, on a rainy night, they might be out just on the surface walking around. Uh, but most people, yeah, just uh, under any sort of moist rock or log in the woods, uh, there could be salamanders around. All right. 
And then I'll mention uh, one more thing because this is kind of a research focus for us right now. Okay. Um, there are There's a freshwater turtle called the spotted turtle, which is the second smallest turtle uh, in the U.S. They're little, about the size of your hand, um, solid black with little yellow spots all over them. Okay. Um, and they have they have a really big range. They go all the way from Florida up into southern Canada. Uh, but there's a lot of concern about uh, them, their populations declining right now um, because of habitat loss and also collection for the pet trade because uh, they are cute and people like to keep them. Okay. And so that's a really cool species um, of turtle. They live in shallow uh, little freshwater pools and floodplains. Um, and but people a lot of times will see them out um, crossing roads uh, when they're moving around. And so that's a really special species of turtle that uh, if you have a chance to see one, uh, you sh- you're really lucky. Okay. Now this one is this because I grew up and we had a pond and uh, we had little black turtles with some yellow spots on them. We commonly refer to them as pond sliders. Is this the same kind of turtle we're talking about? No. no. So this is okay. a much rare, much smaller turtle okay. um, than your normal pond slider pet turtle. Okay. All right. When you said black with yellow spots, I'm like, okay, I've seen that before, but not necessarily. No, and they don't actually like to live in uh, ponds and lakes. They like wet, They like shallower, think knee-deep or less okay. type water. Okay. Very nice. Well, if if people want to know more about the Orion Society, uh, who you are, how you work, what you do, why it matters, uh, and possibly join or, or volunteer or become more involved with it, how do they get a hold of somebody from Orion Society? Um, so you can go to our website and look up um, about our different programs and find more information there. Uh, there's also a link to... Uh, Contact us if you have a question or want to volunteer or anything like that. Um, and I should add that we're going to be doing some survey work uh, for spotted turtles in South Carolina next year. So if you're out in South Carolina, you may see us out and about. Very nice. Well, as always, I, I love good conversation. I think we've had a good one today. Houston, thank you for being on Woods and Water South Carolina. I look to catch up with you soon. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Hey, look, you know, I have just as much fear of snakes as everybody else, except for some of those people that I think they're called herpetologists. You know, they handle snakes all the time. Uh, and we need those people to, to be able to handle them because, like we just heard in that segment, you know, there are some redeeming qualities, like snake venom and, and dealing with human illnesses. So, look, when they're in your backyard, it's one deal. When you're in their backyard, you know, be respectful of them. Let them have their own place to live. No need to kill everyone you run across. Ah, uh, let's see. It's been a busy one. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. A lot of good information. And, uh, you know, as you make your plans to get out there with your hunting, hope you're safe hunting. When you go camping, hope you're safe camping and hiking. Beware of your surroundings. That's always important to know what you're, where you're at and what you're dealing with. And as always, in this show, make time to get out there. 
take those back roads because that's where South Carolina comes alive. And don't forget the camera. See you back next week with more Woods and Water South Carolina.